Welcome to the SoulWorks Podcast, a place where we explore self-care strategies that lead us to our well-being and highest self. I'm your host, Ade Chakol. Hi, beautiful souls. Welcome to the show. If you are listening to this for the very first time, I welcome you. I thank you. And I appreciate you so much. Definitely let me know what you think after listening to this episode. I would love your feedback and I just love to hear from you. So thank you. And if you've been here all this time, I am so, so grateful for you and I appreciate you so much. And I have another exciting episode here for you today. It is definitely huge right now, especially. If you are a parent or if you're a caregiver, you have children that go to school, I'm pretty sure you're going to love this episode because um, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Courtney Rose, an educational consultant. She's extremely knowledgeable and she, you know, she's going to give you tips. I know she will because I just recorded the episode amazing tips on how to prepare for this very uncertain time right now as we are getting ready to send our kids to school. If you haven't already started, I know some places have started school, but um, not where I am. However, still, um, she's going to give you amazing, amazing tools and tricks and tips that will help you you know, get through this uncertain and um, different time right now as uh, we're starting or walking into the fall. So, you know, as parents, it's it's extremely huge for us. We're already, you know, we have this huge responsibility of just having, you know, to take care of our kids and to make sure that we are providing for them and giving them everything that they need. However, you know, education was not a huge concern for many of us as other things are, such as their health or anything, because we partner with their teachers. And we know that there is someone daily that is teaching our kids for us. Um, You know, we rely on them so much for their education. However, this time it's going to look different because now they're going to rely on us even more than they did before, you know, because of virtual learning and the kids needing to have what they need to learn and focus on their schools. So I think you guys will really, really enjoy this episode. Before we get in, to it. I would love for you to write a review and give me a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode and you think it's helpful. Share it with other people that you think should listen to it if you think it would benefit them at all because I need you to help me reach as many people as possible as I am trying to, you know, do my passion in helping you have all the tools and the resources you need to have your fullest life. And I would really appreciate it if you go ahead and let me know and give me your feedback. 
love you all so much. So without further ado, here is Dr. Courtney. Hi, everyone. Thank you all for being here. I have another amazing guest with me today, Dr. Courtney Rose. She is a visiting professor in the Urban Education Program at Florida International University and founder of Ivy Rose Consulting and a former fifth grade math and science teacher. She holds a doctorate in curriculum and teaching from Teachers College in Columbia University an MED in Human Development and Psychology from the Harvard Graduate School of Education and Bachelors in Elementary Education from the University of Florida. Currently, her research and work interests include the development and implementation of innovative approaches to social justice-oriented and culturally relevant instructional practices and curricular design including recent developments in the area of hip-hop education. Her student-driven approach is teacher education and professional development aims to help educators and administrators develop or enhance their practices to bridge students' cultural, academic, and social identities and create more meaningful learning experiences with and for the increasingly diverse students and families of today's schools. So she is extremely, um, she's just an amazing, absolutely knows her area of work in education. And I'm so grateful that you're here, Courtney, with us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Wonderful. So before I dive in with my questions, there's this question I always ask my guests, and that is, what is your morning routine? So my morning routine is uh, a slow rise. I like to kind of wake up slowly and come into myself in the morning. I have very vivid dreams. So I usually take a minute to, you know, kind of process whatever dream I've had. I don't know what that comes from, but it's in my childhood. Then I have a little dog. So I take him for a walk and we have some time outside. And if I feel in the mood, I meditate in the morning, but sometimes I save that for the evening. Uh, And then I just make myself a nice breakfast and settle in for the day. That's so beautiful. Wow. So you write down your dreams? I think that's amazing. Sometimes if they're if they're that vivid, I'll write them down. Yeah, (laughs) I've had some really intense ones. I'm a vivid dreamer. So I like to sometimes record them. Yeah, and we we learn so much from them, right? So that's (laughs) that's so beautiful. So tell us about yourself, Um, you know, uh, what your background is and how you got to where you are today. And what inspired you to become a professor in in education consulting? Yeah, so I come from a long line of educators, both sides of my family. There are teachers, professors, school personnel in other roles. Um, But it was kind of one of those things, right, where if your whole family is doctors, you might want to do something else. So I kind of ran from, from teaching and education at first because it kind of seemed like the family business. And um, maybe I wanted to look in another direction. So I initially went into college as a journalism major, but it didn't really fit. 
And after some conversations with friends and family, just realized that I always worked with kids. I always loved working with kids. It came naturally to me. Education and schools, I kind of felt at home in those spaces. Um, I was a, a, an avid reader and just education was what I loved. And so I stopped running and became uh, an education major very late in my college career. Uh, and I haven't looked back since. I entered teaching after my master's degree where I focused on human development and I was applying all of those human development skills and information to my teaching and just realized that I wanted to infuse or learn how to infuse some of that work on a broader level in terms of curriculum design and how we're preparing educators to come into classrooms. And that led me back to my doctoral work and my ultimate decision to shift from working within K-12 to working within higher education and in the development of educators. Wow. So I didn't, I was not very familiar, you know, with what an education consultant is. So <laughs> can, can, can you like describe to us like what you do, like what does your day look like? <laughs> well, right now I'm primarily teaching. So mm -hmm. my day looks like any typical professor, I assume, or actually right now I'm in heavy syllabus editing mode. But in my work with consulting, it could look a number of ways. Sometimes schools will ask a, a consultant to come in and work on a specific area. So I've worked with schools on specifically how to enhance their analysis of the data coming in from student testing and student work to inform their practice. Other times I might be helping schools to look at they, the ways that they engage with students on a more interpersonal level. So how are they communicating with students? How are they addressing issues of diversity and inclusion at a number of levels within the daily functioning of the school? So I really come in and work with schools however they need. Some people want a longer term in relationship where I come back on a monthly basis. And some people want just one session here or there to kind of enhance what they're what they're already doing. So, well, you know, uh, what really drew me to you and why, you know, I really wanted to have this conversation with you is because school is going to look very different, you know, this year, right? It has been the last, you know, during spring, but then now because of the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. where it everything is so uncertain and I, all parents, including myself, but most of us are a little bit confused, actually a lot confused. And what is it going to look like in your opinion? And what should we be expecting come this fall now? So this is a question that's going to depend on where you are in the country uh, and how your or the world and how your system is responding to that and your local uh, governing bodies are responding to that. I think right now what we're seeing is a lot of districts and states and, and areas making decisions that seem to speak to the needs and desires of their communities to the best of their ability. You know, it's a very complicated thing to respond to because there are so many levels uh, regarding people's feelings of personal physical health and safety, as well as meeting the needs of students who don't all learn the same who don't all thrive under the same learning conditions. And so to say, 
well, we'll just put all students in remote learning situations might put some students at academic and social and emotional risks that other students might not be in. Um, and so there are there's this need to respond to kind of all levels of the social, emotional, and educational needs of each individual student on a kind of communal scale, which is very difficult to respond to, as well as recognizing that teachers have the same needs and concerns in terms of the environments and conditions under which they feel physically, emotionally, and mentally safe and supported, as well as you know, the best environments in which they are able to conduct their work with students. So I think what to answer your question, or try to answer it a bit more clearly, I think we'll see people sort of responding in a trial and error kind of way or or responding and readjusting as needed, right? So we'll see this seems to be what fits our community best at this point, and we'll check back in two to three months or two to three weeks and see if we need to make an adjustment in in that regard. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Uh, you know, it we need to be flexible, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, as parents, you know, I'm coming to you as a parent. We're so used to, you know, having this structure and knowing exactly what it's, you know, school is going to look like. We are so used to that. And that's what we expect. But now it's like we're being challenged to be flexible to be kind of to go with what's going to come and be accepting. Um, I think that's the way I see it. And that's how I'm preparing is anything can happen now. And that's Mm -hmm. what we've seen in the last couple of months. So we need to be very adaptable and have an open mind into this new thing that's happening right now. In terms of like, you know, having, you know, to prepare us mentally or emotionally, what should we do or even materially for our children? Because we have, you know, a couple of weeks now mm-hmm. for school to start if it hasn't already started in some other places. What is it that you would recommend parents do in preparation for this coming semester fall? Yeah. So I want to preface all of this by saying that I myself am not a parent, but This is the advice that I would give to anyone who is approaching the or in the role of supporting a student during this time. I think it's important to talk to your children right now. This is the same advice for teachers, asking them what they need to feel supported. I think this is a really opportune time to kind of learn the type of environment that your child learns best in. What kind of seating do they need to feel comfortable? What kind of materials do they need to feel comfortable? I think that with virtual learning, we come across the issue where we need to address the very real divide and and, um, uh, inequity in, in the ability for some to access reliable materials in terms of electronics and Wi-Fi and those kinds of virtual materials. But otherwise, if, if those things are available, then you need to just figure out, well, what kind of space does my child feel most comfortable working in? It's not going to be uniform across everyone. It's not even going to be uniform within the same home, most likely, right? So this idea that some schools are mandating that all kids be sitting at a table in a specific type of, you know, setting is not realistic, 
And so as a parent to just, you know, and uh, give your child a little bit more freedom in choosing where they work, if that's possible, because this is going to feel very foreign and uncomfortable to them as well. It may feel great for some kids. (laughs) You may find that they thrive in this this in home learning situation. Other materials I might get, whatever kinds of, this is a great time to really hone in on some of those organizational skills. Calendars don't hurt if that works for your child. Some kind of visual tool to help them manage the materials that they'll need for each aspect of their learning day to write down, you know, the websites that they need, the passwords that they need, and other login information so that thing, those things are readily available to them when they need them. Any kind of phone numbers or contact information for different support teams that their schools may be providing, have all of that stuff readily available for them and for you. And I think the biggest thing that we want to come to this with, as I think you pointed out, is patience and flexibility. It's going to feel frustrating on both ends at times for you and for your child and certainly for their teacher as we all adjust to this new normal or this new circumstance, however temporary it may be. Um, And so I think Mm -hmm. the biggest thing we want to approach all of this with is patience and understanding. Yes, I think that's very important. uh, What you mentioned of, you know, involving the kids. My Mm -hmm. kids are pretty young, you know, but I could imagine it's even more important if you have older kids to Mm -hmm. really include them into, um, you know, the discussions of what's going on right now and talking to them about, uh, you know, the environment that they want to work in. I think that's really important. And, you know, you gave us an amazing idea of preparing ahead in having a space and calendars and I can see how useful they would be because these are things that we can control you know majority of the things seem to be out of our control right now but this gives us a sense of safety when we can control what is happening in our own homes and building towards creating a good environment uh, where our kids can you know, have their education. So those are really, really good points. You know, some of us, some parents now in some situations have the option of, you know, sending their kids in person to school, whereas others don't. It's all virtual. But, you know, for those who do have the option and are considering which one to pick and, you know, it's definitely a personal decision. However, what suggestions do you have? What are the things that we should consider in making this decision? This is another one where I feel that a conversation with the child is helpful, right? I think so much of this conversation is being had about without them, right? So much of this conversation is happening with adults in rooms or in virtual rooms without the input of children. Uh, And that is the case with so many decisions that get made within education is we're having conversations about what happens with children or for children without them. And so I think a, a big layer of that is to recognize that as physically safe as a child and or a parent might feel, and as emotionally safe as a parent might feel knowing that their child is home, 
it might not be the best scenario for the child in terms of their um, educational and social development. Uh, So if there are safety precautions being put into place that you and the child feel comfortable with, then that may help to make the decision to send them back if that makes them feel better about their own learning. Um, With younger kids, again, this is a decision that maybe they're, you know, just to see how they're feeling, you can kind of, it can help in the messaging around the decisions that are being made. I also think another thing to think about is how the day will feel. Uh, Even in going back, some kids think, oh, we're going back, it's going to feel very normal. But I think it's recognizing that right now, even going back, isn't under conditions that might be conducive to um, students feeling comfortable within the space, right? We have to be spread out. Some spaces, students have to wear masks all day. Some spaces, students are, you know, not able to leave the classroom. And so it might not be what they're thinking it's going to be. And in other spaces, it's feeling a bit more normal. And so they might have a fear that is, not quite what they what the reality is, right? A fear that it will be worse than what the reality is. So I think you have to really discuss all of the options. And it's such a personal decision that the only thing that I can say is that you have to come to the choice that feels safest on all the levels for you and your child. Because at the end of the day, safety and emotional support and emotional stability, that's what really will make or break the educational experience, particularly amidst such a such an uncertain and, and um, constantly changing time, right? And so I think whatever will bring a sense of stability to the child and to you as the parent is going to be the decision that you should feel confident in standing behind. But definitely mm-hmm. dialogue and and a lot of honest dialogue needs to happen. It shouldn't be a hasty decision. I know they're rushing these decisions, and I feel like a lot more talking and a lot more listening needs to take place. Yeah. Wow. Right. I haven't even thought of that, you know, because for me, majority of it seemed to be out of my control because, okay, we, we have to go with what's being decided outside. But even to just talk to our kids of the uncertainty of what might happen that, you know, they might go into school and then a week later, they might be told that, okay, might be virtual, but Mm -hmm. to whatever decisions that is made, I think you're absolutely right. We need to have a very genuine conversation with them. And so they also know what is going to be expected out of them, you know, it's good. And I, I love that idea. Thank you so much. I'm sure a lot of people will take that to heart and have this conversation. We'll start to have this conversation with their kids. In terms of, you know, what teachers can do, what can they do differently this year to, you know, whether it's parent-teacher communication or with the children, what do you think are the things that teachers can do to make this a little bit more easier on us. Mm-hmm. And so I themselves. think one, right, exactly. Uh, I think <laughs> actually one of the positive things that is coming out of this time is in recognition that there are some wide ranging and, you know, very traditional approaches to parent 
teacher and teacher-student communication and, and engagement that need some overhaul and need some adjustments that whether we are in you know this moment or whether things go back to something that feels more normal, that these are things that should have been addressed regardless. And so one of the things that I would ask uh, teachers to do is to really begin to reframe in their minds that parents are their partners in this process, right? And if we as educators can reframe in our minds the parent as our partner, then we will begin to seek out opportunities where we can communicate more effectively, communicate without judgment, communicate with more understanding, communicate with more patience, and seek opportunities to work together to find ways to alleviate some of the stress and anxiety and work from each of us, right? So what does that look like? I think that looks like finding ways that parents feel most comfortable communicating. I think that a lot of times we relied on the note in the backpack or everyone had to get an email, but I think it's reaching out and asking parents, what's the best way for me to communicate with you? Also setting boundaries around that communication. As educators, we shouldn't be bombarding parents with tons of emails and tons of announcements and tons of papers, whether they're electronic forms or whatnot, to fill out and read. That always seems a very overwhelming way to approach the relationship. And likewise, for teachers to set boundaries on how late that they will be available for questions and answer. You know, we have to acknowledge our own humanity in this process as well. So, and definitely just asking, I keep going back to this, but more of being very honest about what you need from parents, but then asking them what they need from you and being very open and honest about what you are feasibly able to provide. Right. I think that there's a lot of times where one side, whether it's a teacher or the parent, puts unreasonable expectations on each other. And then the relationship can easily become contentious or easily become, you know, very judgmental or very unproductive. And so to be honest with each other about, hey, I'm having a little bit of trouble in, you know, right now, I need your flexibility, I need your understanding, here's exactly the type of support that I need. You know, what are you able, you know, let's work together to see if we can find a middle ground, find some space where we can help each other out to work through this problem together. I'm here as your partner, and I'm here to make this easier for you. And I know our both of us are working towards the same goal of creating a you know, supportive and positive learning experience for your child. And I think if we approach the relationship that way as educators, it opens the door for partnership, which is very much what we need right now. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I think that would be extremely helpful as parents to get to know, you know, your child's teacher. Um, Definitely a lot more sense than before. And because we need that. We also have lots of questions. We also have, you know, this fear of what might happen. So I think it would definitely make it so much easier if educators and teachers reached out to parents in that way. I absolutely understand 
what you mean about the overwhelming emails and uh, just feeling just, you know, so overwhelmed and lost at some point. But, you know, before it was, it was easy. Um, you can just walk in and have a, a conversation with your child's teacher, but now it's going to be very different and a lot is going to be expected from us as well. So it can be overwhelming. But mm -hmm. also in terms of parents, what would you suggest that, what are the things that we can do to initiate that with uh, teachers if they don't reach out to us first? Or what ways can we build that relationship? I think the same way, right? I, I think there's a, a conversation that's being created within this dialogue around should we be virtual or should we be or remote or should we be back in classrooms that are pitting parents and teachers against each other in a way that A, is not wholly the reality of the situation because I think parents and educators are sharing a lot of the same feelings and concerns about either decision. But I think that if parents reached out to teachers kind of with that same sentiment of, I'm feeling a bit uncertain about what's going on, or I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed about what's going on, and I know you must as well, how can I be supportive to my child in this time and to you in this time? What do you need of parents in this moment to help navigate this situation together as much as possible. Again, leading with that sentiment and that desire for partnership rather than judgment or feeling like it's us versus you, right? Because mm -hmm. teachers are not making these decisions either. They are very much sitting on the edge of their seats waiting to find out what the decision will be just as much as parents are. And many teachers are parents as well. So they are juggling navigating this remote teaching or going back face to face and then having to do the same with their own children. So it's understanding that we're all in this boat together. And what do we need? How can we lean on each other in this moment? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's so true. In a way, I kind of feel like, you know, this is something that should have existed even before all this, I think it's it's a beautiful thing yes. um, for everybody involved, you know, for the children, for the parents and the teachers to have a very open, transparent communication to be authentic, I think would help everybody involved. So this is kind of like a blessing in disguise in, you know, helping parents know also and teachers that, you know, your children's education should you should be definitely involved and it's a partnership between the teacher and you. I feel like many people, you know, have kind of given that responsibility to the teachers in terms of their children's education. But, you know, your kids spend so much time at school and so much time with the teacher, their teachers. So it is extremely important to understand that relationship and be involved, I think is, is really important. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And so I think we, you know, we definitely touched a lot about, you know, parents and teachers, but mm -hmm. um, now coming to parents again, for because I'm a parent, <laughs> yes. um, where, you know, for those of us who are working from home, yes, 
it's even more challenging, right? Because now we have our, you know, work expectations, we're trying to be focused, but then now, and then, you know, especially for people who have not worked from home before, this is absolutely new. Maybe now we're trying to get used to it, but then there's this new expectation that we also need to monitor and assist our children when they're learning virtually. So it is a lot. And, you know, how can we balance that? Like, can we even balance it? You know, what what suggestions do you have on that? Yeah, I think this is another one of those really positive things that are coming out of this time where we're being asked to look at this culture that has brewed within education and within society at large that makes it difficult for everyone to find that work-life balance, right? A lot of the issues that can arise between teachers and parents is this feeling that parents aren't as involved with students' education and parents are having to work. And so parents are saying, well, this is your job. And in the conversation kind of, it gets very complicated as we look at different social situations and people's uh, needs to work in different kinds of ways to provide for their families due to other social issues that we perhaps don't have time to get into today. But overall, I think one of the biggest tools that will be or strategies that I can suggest for both teachers and parents in getting that, achieving that work-life balance would be boundary setting, right? And I touched on this a bit earlier. Uh, I think what we have lost in the fact that many of us are working from home is the ability to create that hard boundary between work and home, right? Because you know, I myself am working at a table that is two steps away from my kitchen and four steps away from my living room. And so there's really this hard task that I have of deciding when I'm at work and when I'm at home, <laughs> right? And so it's very easy to just work, work, work all day and all night because it's right here and my work is my home now. So I think if we set boundaries on work stops at this time, and family time starts at this time, just as we would if we were coming in from the office or going out to the office, right? No work starts before the normal time that I would typically go into my office and work stops at the normal time that I would typically come home from the office. Then I think we can work on achieving that balance. Same thing. I think I touched on this before as well with educators. It's very easy to see the emails coming in constantly. And because I've been sitting at this table responding to emails all day to keep responding to them, but to just close the computer and declare, you know, 6.30 or 7.30, that hard stop time, and that things will be responded to in the morning as they normally would when I would have walked into my classroom and opened my work computer, right? Yeah, I think boundary setting is going to be the real um, key strategy in achieving that. Creating a space can also help, right? This is where work happens in this space. If you have the ability to do that with, within the design and structure of your home to declare a space, the school space or the workspace for, for um, you know, yourself and your, your, your kids, or if you're an educator, you have, I've seen a lot of teachers creating these really incredible at-home workspaces. Um, so just to confine the work to that space so that you can 
use the other spaces as simply for relaxing or engaging with your family outside of your work. Those are two strategies that I've seen really effectively employed by people in this time. And that I myself am struggling (laughs) to do Mm -hmm. for myself right now. Yeah, absolutely. Those are very key points, Uh, you know, boundaries. I mean, you know, just like anything in life, (laughs) they're they're extremely necessary. Mm -hmm. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, How about like, you know, communicating with your kids now, you know, they're their home. So they know your Mm -hmm. home. They, you know, might just walk in if they have a question. And how do you think we should uh, address that? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that it could be vice versa as well. You know, we're home, so we're going to keep checking on them and doing their work. And that might be a bit too much for them. So what do you have to say around that? <laughs> I think it's it's another thing where a conversation needs to happen, right? Where the more we communicate with each other about what's working and what's not working, the better we can meet each other's needs, right? So I think that if kids know, okay, well, this is just like in a classroom, we do this as educators too. When I'm here, over here, you know, you have to wait until I, I used to have different signs and symbols and things that I would put up. So kids knew that, you know, my desk was okay to just approach or that they needed to raise their hand or use some other attention getting signal to before, you know, to wait for me to come to them or invite them over. But also if you have um, other techniques that you can use, like um, if they have to not hinder the communication, but to have like a board where everyone, you know, if mommy's doing work or daddy's doing work, I can put up this sign, you know, let them know that I had a question by putting a post-it on a board or something. And then they can come to me when they're done with their meeting or done with whatever work that they're doing. Set in check-in times to see how schoolwork is going rather than just kind of hovering, right? Give them the freedom and autonomy to manage their schedule unless they come to you and say, hey, I'm having trouble managing can you help me organize this? But I think that it will be a time of, as you mentioned, flexibility, trial and error, kind of talking with each other every day about how did today feel or checking in a couple times a week. How's it going? What's working for you? How can I better support you? And then likewise saying, well, listen, I'm glad things are going well for you. I just need to remind you that when I'm in you know, sometimes I have a meeting or sometimes I'm working on something. So if you see, you know, maybe you have a door closed. So if you see the door closed, that means, you know, I'm busy. And as soon as I'm, you know, ready to engage, I'll open the door again, and then we can have a conversation. But that's all back to boundary setting, expectation setting, and figuring out how to, I think of it as how you would figure out how to live harmoniously with a roommate when you went to college or how you figured how to work, share an office space with someone, right? You had to work through that process of setting those boundaries and expectations. And it's going to be the same way here. (laughs) We're all sharing this space. So how can we share it together? That's such a good point. Yeah, because now we're working with them, right? I mean, our (laughs) days are definitely different. So we need to kind of treat our kids that way where uh, now we have to learn about work boundaries. Right. Um, so that's that's such a good, good point. You know, another thing I want to, and this can definitely go with the parent-teacher relationship and you know, asking when we need help, but mm-hmm. uh, for parents who find it 
you know, overwhelming in terms of like the materials the students are learning and they, you know, want to help them, but then they're not too sure. Outside of, you know, the teacher communication, what other resources can parents kind of refer to to help with that? Yeah, so there are plenty of free resources online. Most um, schools and school districts, I believe, are posting some of these to help parents but and to provide students with more resources at home. But there are plenty of uh, resources. I believe Khan Academy is still out there and a website that I used to use, Purple Math and things like that, where you can these are just math things that are coming to me because I used to be a math teacher, but there are literacy ones for reading and and reading skills and, and the like as well, where students can get additional explanations, where parents can sit down and watch the videos for refreshers or to gain deeper understanding of some of the topics that their students, their children might be learning to provide more assistance for them. There are plenty of websites that gamify the learning so that if the child isn't grasping it, the parent can find a game to send the students on to to help reinforce the academic skill. So the internet is, there are plenty of resources uh, available that teachers have used for quite some time to enhance the work that we do within our space that parents may want to look into. Unfortunately, some of them have have monetized and, and required subscriptions and things like that, but I believe many of them are free or have offered you know free trials and things like that given the circumstances of the time. So I would just literally, <laughs> uh, I used to tutor and literally some of the things that I would do when I was tutoring would be to search the grade level and the very specific topic that the child was learning. And then a plethora of resources would just pop up in terms of worksheets and games and broken down explanations with examples. And so Google is your friend or whatever search engine that you use. And just be very specific with the search. So the grade level and the specific topic that the student is learning about. And you should be able to find uh, resources to assist. Great, great points. I think, you know... um my biggest takeaway, you you know, you've shared with us amazing tips, and my biggest takeaway would be communication. From this, mm-hmm. I think it's extremely important to include our kids. Like you said, majority of this conversation has been happening outside of them, but mm-hmm. um, to make this work for them, because you know, after all, they're they're being impacted, right? This is the work that they need to do. So really including them, making it comfortable and enjoyable for them, as well as having that open, authentic discussion, starting it early with Mm -hmm. teachers as parents is, I think, going to be uh, the key thing that we can do right now. So thank you so much for sharing all this with us. Um, is there anything that you'd like to touch up on that I haven't asked you? No, I think uh, you hit it right on the head that what we need in times, any time of uncertainty is is dialogue, is communication, is flexibility, and above all, understanding and patience because we're all in this. I know it's kind of cliche, but we really are all going through this together and experiencing it in very different ways. Uh, and the only way to understand how someone else is processing 
what's happening is to talk to with talk with them and that may help us to find ways to support them and to support each other during this time in this mm-hmm. constant shifting of approaches yeah. and to speak up speak up for yourself speak up for your child you are your child's first and most important advocate and this is for parents and teachers are speaking up and and trying to speak up so if you if you really you know want to help to advocate for whatever scenario that you think might be best, then, you know, speak up in, in those spaces where you are invited to speak, uh, like district mm-hmm. meetings and county meetings and things like that. Wow. Thank you so much, Courtney, for sharing all this with us. I do believe that we're all here to serve each other and you've served us amazingly in this episode. I really thank you so much. But I want to ask you, what can me and my listeners do to serve you? Well, I do a lot of work. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to make my work as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. So I post resources and information via my Instagram, which is just at Dr. Courtney Rose. So DR and then my first and last name. And you can also find my work on my website at ivyroseconsulting.com. Ignore the at. I don't know why I put that there. <laughs> so just <laughs> ivyroseconsulting.com. And I do offer sessions that can be had uh, with small groups or individually for those who are looking for some additional resources and help. That's for teachers and parents as well. So you can find my work there. That's beautiful. And we'll make sure to put your contact information and resources on the show notes. But thanks again for being here so much. Thank you for having me. This is great. How awesome was that? I loved that episode so much. I thought it really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Uh, But... Most importantly, you know, of building that dialogue and communication with my kids, you know, although they're very young right now, it's still very important to me to help them be as comfortable as they are as they walk through this new school year for them, you know, and I hope it resonated with you. I hope that you uh, also benefited from this amazing discussion that we had. I think building, you know, the parent-teacher relationship as soon as you can and getting yourself involved is definitely key in uh, helping us get through this, you know, and take it one step at a time. (laughs) Absolutely take it one step at a time. It can get very overwhelming, especially if you're also working from home and you're walking into this new lifestyle of kind of co-working with your kids. Really, that's what it's going to seem like, um, you know, being in the same house and each of you trying to do work, separate works, but then also coming up with a way that helps you um, each of you do your work, you know, and I loved, I loved all the ideas Courtney gave us in really building your routine and structure, having a calendar and making your communication as transparent as possible. I mean, put your work calendar there if you need to, but 
really have this very open dialogue and conversation with your kids so that they feel involved and they feel this responsibility and are empowered in their own education. So I, I thought just that was just beautiful. If you loved this episode, give it a five-star review and, you know, write me a comment. That would definitely help me. Absolutely would make a huge difference for me. So I love your support in that and helping me reach as many people as possible. You know, share it on your social media. I would love, love to find out what your thoughts are and I just appreciate you all so much. And until I see you again on the next amazing episode, love you all beautiful souls. Bye.